When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Mind Love Premium, episode 68. Today's episode is all about looking for love in all the wrong places. And of course, how to stop doing that shit. I think a lot of us actually try to prove that we're right so that we don't see how wrong we are. Because we're constantly in judgment of ourselves. We just project. And this is this is great for every relationship to be aware of, is like we will project what's going on with ourselves out on other people. So if you're judging yourself that you're not making money, let's say, we'll just use a general thing, then you'll probably be judging your partner that they're not making enough money. You'll project that out and be like, you're not making enough money. But if you actually look at it, it's actually you that you believe isn't making enough money right now. We'll do that, like project out and then try to prove that we're right just so that we don't see how wrong we think we are. Are you really ready for a serious relationship, but you just can't seem to find the right one? Or maybe you keep committing, only to realize that you keep ending up with the same issues. And you're starting to think that maybe the perfect person for you just doesn't exist. But maybe you're just looking for love in the wrong places. I look back at my dating history and it is not necessarily a lineup I'm proud of. My catalog of men ranged from a rampant cheater to a guy who asked me out when I was drunk and I literally didn't know I had a boyfriend for two and a half weeks, to a guy that liked looking in the mirror more than I did, to a guy that I dated because I liked his friends, and an actual felon who was secretly robbing houses after I went to sleep. I know, winners. I don't like a bachelorette casting agent listening, but if so, I really think the spectrum of my exes would lead to the most dramatic season ever. So hit me up and I'll share my contacts. But yeah, my dating history was a little traumatic, but I also see those choices as experiences that my soul was seeking in order to know myself better. And yeah, I know that's definitely a perspective that's easier to come by in hindsight. If any of this sounds familiar, <laughs> I know it's it's sort of relatable, but not super relatable because usually my experiences are just really extreme. <laughs> but if some of it sounds familiar, don't be so hard on yourself. It is easy to choose the wrong types of people when you're choosing for the wrong reasons. And a lot of people are choosing for the wrong reasons. When I was younger, a relationship meant validation. Someone loves me enough to call me his. And I put up with the cheating because I saw it as a reflection of my worth. What does she have that I don't? A skinnier waist? Okay, I'll just eat less. Wait, he did it again? She likes football? I can like football. Wait, another one? Maybe if I just have a threesome with him, he'll be so excited he won't have the energy to look at someone else. Yeah, I did that. And in between the wounds was the drama. The big blow-up fights and the dramatic apologies where I was finally the center of attention. By the time I ended up with a literal criminal, 
I was so used to making excuses for people's bad behavior that it barely even phased me anymore. I attracted people with issues like mine, addiction, dishonesty, self-sabotage. I was convinced that if I just loved him enough, he would do better or I could fix him. But really, I think that fixing him was just easier than fixing myself or facing my own issues. And deep down, I really believed that he was all I deserved. Nothing that he did shocked me enough to leave because I could relate. His story was so familiar to me. And if he didn't deserve love, then what did I deserve? That relationship was a whole saga that really only completely ended when he landed in jail for 7 to 11 years. My next relationship was much more normal, but so normal that it felt unsatisfying. I was addicted to the drama. If he wasn't begging for my love, how was I supposed to know that he really loved me? We turned out to be incompatible, but it was a good and semi-normal off-ramp from my usual type of guy. After that, I swore off men altogether to do some soul-searching and to work on myself. What I learned was that it's impossible to pick the right person if you don't know yourself. It's very difficult to find someone who loves you for the right reasons if you don't love yourself. And if you don't know how to love yourself, you'll likely be looking for someone to tend to your wounds instead of your heart. I did end up finding my soulmate, but I really think that I had to find myself first. And to be clear, I am still finding myself. You don't have to have it all figured out. And by it, I kind of mean you. You don't have to have yourself all figured out. But it helps if you have some of yourself figured out, like clarity in what you want, in how you want to be treated, in what makes you feel good, what your non-negotiables are. When you find your own guiding star, so to speak, then you can find someone else who is at least headed in the same direction. So today we're going to talk about how to do all of that. And our guest is Venus Castleberg, the author of Here to Forever, Finally Free to Be Me, which has already earned itself a few bestseller spots on Amazon. But more importantly, Venus is on a mission to help others break free from the endless cycle for love, the kind that's based on hopes, dreams, and utopian ideals. So three key things we will learn are how your past can help you heal, how to let go of rightness in a relationship, and the five elements of intimacy. But before we get started, I want to invite you to wake up to the morning mind love. Every weekday morning, you get a little inspiration to help you know yourself better. Think of it like a short note from your higher self. Plus, when you sign up, you get two free gifts, a 30-minute binaural meditation and 30 days of self-reflective journaling prompts to help you grow. And it's all completely free. So join over 9,000 people and go to mindlove.com to sign up. We're all here just trying to live our best lives, right? And while you're here listening to a podcast, you might feel like you're on the right track, but then you visit family or you have a work deadline or something unexpected comes up and you're all stressed out and it feels like all the work is out the window. That's why it's so important to consciously curate what you can control, like who you surround yourself with, what you watch, what you listen to. So I'm going to add another podcast to your toolbox, The Dr. John Deloney Show. He has a PhD in counseling and has been sitting with hurting people for 20 years. He shares practical advice for everything from how to connect with people, how to face depression, overcome anxiety, and learn just what it means to be well. 
But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional help on the show. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney show is here for you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website. And now let's welcome Venus Castleberg to the show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> Your name is perfect for what you do in this world. <laughs> but I'm, cu- <laughs> I'm curious, what led you to helping people who are trapped in relationship cycles or looking for love in all the wrong places? What, what guided you towards this profession? <laughs> well, I'd say a lot of doing the same in my life. I started seeking for relationships and like the one very young. I really think it had a lot to do with like Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty and all the fairy tales that I watched. I was like, oh, that's what life is all about. And then, of course, yes, my name was Venus Born <laughs> with Venus. So I must have came in with that energy of like, it's going to be all about love. And I'm, I was born in Pisces even. So I, was oh. like, I had all of it. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I just, I spent a lot of my life searching for the one thinking that a relationship was going to make me feel whole and complete and perfect. And I finally realized that I was never going to find that outside of myself. And I had to find that within myself. And then when I really found it within myself, I realized there's a lot of us out there (laughs) that have been always looking for somebody else to complete us. I mean, it's in most of the movies, (laughs) you know, that we watch. And yeah, I just, I, I realized that maybe other people could benefit from the lessons that I learned just by living them out in my life. So what were the circumstances that led to those lessons? Like, where did you end up when you were looking for love in the wrong places? I can kind of tell you, like, probably the pivotal moment. But I know that a lot of a lot of times you've it, with relationships, you realize that they'll even say it. You'll hear people say you'll date the same person over and over again until um, you change something. So I started to notice a pattern. I was like, wow, I really am dating like a lot of men that are the same over and over again. They just look a little different, but same problems, same stuff. And then I was like, okay, so how do I change this cycle? And the biggest pivotal moment was probably the last relationship I had before this one. It was five years ago. And I was in an abusive relationship and again, another pattern, but I also was very conscious of the fact that that's what was going on. So I was like, okay, how do I change this? And um, I started to take some tools and practices. Um, There's uh, Access Consciousness has a, a group of tools called the five elements of intimacy. I started to just practice those with myself, even while still being in this relationship. I wasn't ready to let go of the relationship, but I was like, I need to change something. I need to choose something different here. And I turned all of that external seeking and that that external desire for love and went, oh, I'm the one I'm looking for. Like, I need to love me. I need to be grateful for me. I need to um, realize that I'm valuable with or without somebody in my life. And that was kind of where it shifted for me. I remember one of my biggest aha moments was realizing that the way I was treating myself in my life 
really just set the standards for the way I allowed to, myself to be treated by other people. And when I realized that, it kind of flipped everything on its head because previously it was the relationship that I thought was go- that was going to make me feel worthy. It was the relationship I thought was going to make me feel love. And, it- and so I was trying to prove myself the whole time. I'm like, if I can lock this guy down, that means I'm lovable. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so it was like this desperate seeking without me realizing it. But what's tricky about it is that if you would have asked me during that time, I wouldn't have said like, I didn't love myself or that I had low self-esteem. I didn't even see that about myself. Mm. I thought that I thought I was awesome. (laughs) But at the time, I also had a debilitating eating disorder. I also had plenty of negative thoughts. I also held myself back from doing big things because I didn't think I could do it. But I didn't know that I thought this until I really started understanding. Like It was actually through personal development. Like I needed somebody else to show me that these were subconscious patterns because the the thoughts just on the surface, I thought I had control over, but all my actions showed that I actually believed something different about myself, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. It's like not really even getting our own value and looking to, to other people to value us so that we can feel valued. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, so if I need this relationship to feel valuable or to feel worth how I treat myself or what I believe about myself is setting the standards, then I'm going to find other people that don't think I'm very worthy or very valuable. You know, (laughs) I'm just sort of disposable or they're not going to treat me right. 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 Well, it's, it's, it's how you view yourself is how other people will view you. It's like, we almost, we go seeking in the world to validate our own points of view about ourselves. So we think something about ourselves and we're like, oh, I'm not worthy or I'm, um, we'll even just use like, I'm ugly. You will inevitably attract the person that will go, you're kind of funny looking or, you know, like, because you're looking for that validation of your beliefs about yourself. So you have even dealt with abuse in your past. How -hmm. did you get to that point? And what was your wake up call to look for something better or that that you deserved better? What happened for me first and foremost was like, I didn't have my own back. Like I somehow thought I deserved it or maybe I had done something wrong even in another lifetime or earlier in this lifetime that had made me earn whatever was happening. And when I really just said, okay, I'm just going to turn my focus inside. I'm just going to focus on me. And, and I, these, these five elements of intimacy are honor, trust, gratitude, allowance, and vulnerability. And honor means to treat yourself with regard. And I think that, I mean, they were all really important, but for me to like, really look like, where am I not treating myself with regard? Like, where am I not honoring me? And I'm, I'm somehow like relying on other people or even other places. Like I moved around a lot looking kind of like, well, maybe this place I'll belong or this group of people I'll belong like this out. But it's like, as soon as I went, where am I not honoring me? And what would it be like to honor me like today? And just ask it in the moment, like, wow, 
who would honoring me today be? And it was like that moment of like, oh, I would have my own back here. I would not be in, in this abusive relationship. I would choose something different. And then I did. But it was like realizing that I, I could have my own back and still be an allowance of other people, not making other people wrong um, for their choices, but just being like, that's your choice. I don't have to live with it. I don't have to be a doormat. I can actually honor myself here and, and take care of myself. And that, like having my own back was where I had the courage to leave and the courage to never create it again. Because it was like, oh, I'm of value, but not because somebody else is telling me I'm of value, but because I believe I'm of value. Right. And I had an experience in a relationship and there was no physical abuse, but there was a whole lot of emotional abuse. Mm-hmm. And the person, the, I, I tried to leave a few times. Well, first I tried to somehow make him love me more, <laughs> which didn't yeah, make any sense. <laughs> and then I finally hit rock bottom in that relationship because we were both arrested and I didn't know what I was being arrested for. And he was apparently secretly robbing houses. So it was this whole thing. And uh, I I moved away to get to LA. I, that's actually how I moved to LA. I was trying to get away from him. He ended up moving down the street and terrorizing me for like another year. But then he finally ended up in jail for about a decade. And I've thought back on that so often because I mean, back in high school, I was straight A student, advanced placement classes, all this. And I had a lot going for me and somehow I lost all of that or I thought I did. I had buried it. And people would look at me like, how did you let it get that bad? And looking back, I feel like it was, if you would have shown me how bad it was going to get in the beginning, there's absolutely no way. But it was like one decision after the next or letting one thing go like, oh, okay, so he didn't come home last night or, oh, okay, this. And then the next thing you know, he's cheating on me and he's got a gambling problem, all these things. And so for you, when people ask, like, how did you get there? What do you see about that now that you can look back at it in hindsight? Well, I, th- I think and this is a, a common misconception. We often fall in love with somebody's potential. We don't necessarily see who they truly are. We're like, oh, this person has so much potential. They're a good person underneath. And we all really want to believe that, like that, oh, but we'll bring out the good in them. <laughs> well, you know, maybe they're not the greatest, but but because we're different, we're going to bring out something different in them. And I think that, I mean, that for me, that was definitely, I fell in love with a lot of men and their potential and I wanted the best for them. And I I wanted to believe that I could change them. So I think that's probably the first part is like, we all want to like often change people. Like think we can change them. Think we can. I know that for me, I rather have a bad relationship than no relationship at all. I felt to pray to that a lot. So if I was in a bad relationship, I was like, well, at least I'm in a relationship. And I think that that's, because society says somehow you're okay if you're in a relationship, but you're somehow weird if you're not. And so I just was like, okay, well, maybe this one will be different. And yeah, I've been in some, not very many physical, but I've been in a few of the emotional abuse. And 
um, I think too, you think somehow, or I was thinking that somehow I had done something like maybe I was the one creating it or I was the one that was wrong because there's, there's a way that people can play with words and you do, you feel like you're like, well, maybe I am creating this. Maybe this is my fault. Um, so I was in it for a while because I, I was working on, well, if, if I'm the creator of this, then what am I doing? And so I, I kept going back to like, what can I change and where am I being mean? <laughs> and um, so I was stuck, stuck. I had chosen to stay in it because I was in that pattern for a while. Um, so a lot of contributing factors, but I think suffice it to say you get into something somehow thinking that you can change it. And then when it doesn't change, you're like, oh, maybe it's just not working. <laughs> right. It's like I resonate with a couple of the things that you just said pretty deeply. The first one, it is true that it feels like society places importance on a relationship or it's funny because now that I'm in a relationship and like happily married, I don't see that as much, but it's because it's not the pressure <laughs> that's on me. <laughs> and, but I can see it in some of my friends who are still trying to find that person. And a lot of them are like going back to exes and going back to things that they knew didn't work because you know, their clock is ticking or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because it's that way with so many things. It's this validation from another person. If I'm by myself, no one is validating that I am wantable. If I'm with somebody, even if that person's kind of terrible, at least I'm wanted by somebody. It's like how people put social proof on their websites, just purchased mm -hmm. in Ohio. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so it's like, just got laid on Saturday. Want me now? <laughs> and, then, and then the other thing is, is falling in love with somebody's potential. And in that relationship I was speaking about, the weekend that I met him, his dad died and my dad had died. And I had gone through this whole spiral where I felt like nobody understood. And so I was making poor life choices, which I was continuing to do in this relationship. But for me, I was like, I'm going to love you. Like nobody loved me when I was going through this. So do whatever you want. And I will show you that it is okay. And looking back, it's just so terrible. I was being a martyr for this person's trauma. And, mm. and so when you're looking at somebody for their potential, how do you navigate the waters of like accepting somebody's imperfections because nobody's going to be perfect versus falling into that trap of falling in love with somebody's potential? Uh, one of the five elements of intimacy is actually allowance and allowance is um, everything is just an interesting point of view, meaning that um, there is no judgment. Like allowance is letting everybody choose what they're going to choose and having no point of view about what they're choosing. But we all want to control what they're choosing. Like, oh, they need to choose something different. Or, And, and don't get me wrong. It's a kind of, and, the, and I, felt priv, um, I felt victim to this too. Like I really thought that if I was um, in allowance, then that meant I needed to be a doormat. That is not what I mean. <laughs> um, allowance means going, okay, you're going to choose that. I'm going to choose this, choosing for me. Now, if they don't mix, then it's okay for us to go our separate ways. It's not trying to make things like oil and water mix. It's going, okay, so 
you want to choose alcoholism, for example. I can't live with an alcoholic, and that's not wrong. Neither one are wrong. It doesn't matter if you want to choose alcohol, but it's not, it doesn't work for me to live with it. So I had to be like, like choosing what was good, um, what was okay for them, and then what was best for me. And that, it takes the judgment out of it. It takes the, you're wrong, I'm right. And, and that's where we get really wonky in this world is like the, really trying to be right and make the other person wrong instead of just going, that's just a choice. You can choose that, and, but I'm going to choose what's best for me. Does that make sense? It does. And it's, it's difficult because there are things where, I mean, if you catch me on a day where I'm like PMSing and just got in a dumb argument with my husband, the story in my head <laughs> is like, oh my gosh, the abuse. You did not empty the dishwasher. You know what I mean? It just like goes over the top. And so there's a lot that I do in my relationship of like challenging the story that I'm telling myself. But mm. there's one thing to to be annoyed by somebody, to to think, oh, this person's never listening to me. But if you sit with any of these things and you allow yourself to kind of peel back the layers, most of the time in arguments with my husband, I realized, well, I caused this or, <laughs> you know, this is just, you were both coming at it from different places. We're both seeing the situation in, in a different point of view, just as you said. And then when I, but if I did that same thought experiment with some of my past relationships, it's, it's like, what am I settling for? And how do I feel when I'm with this person? And I think that if the way that I'm feeling with the person is more negative than positive, as simple as that sounds, it's just not something that most people go by. I know a lot of people who who think a relationship is good because there's just a lot of feeling. There's really high highs and really low lows. And I'm like, I found my best relationships are when there's just like a whole lot of that in between. You know, I just feel <laughs> pretty comfortably good most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. I would agree. But I think that we're taught even, God, I remember growing up and like how many relationships my mom was in and out of and, and how I just thought that that was, the way it was supposed to be, you were supposed to be dramatic and it was supposed to be, and, and, and my story, my book, it really talks about like, there was a lot of me like falling in love just to fall in love and then getting out of love just to have the drama of getting out of it. Like the, the ups and downs is almost like I used that to prove that I was alive. <laughs> like, like there's a pulse, you know, but I agree with you now. I much choo rather choose to have something that's comfortable, that's easy, <laughs> you know, uh, most of the time and doesn't have to have high highs and low lows. Yeah, I actually read something recently that said uh, most people think that they meet when they meet their soulmate, they're going to get like all these butterflies. And and I think it was like a Buddhist saying or something that that was like, no, when you meet your soulmate, you're going to feel like warmth and peace. And I don't know if that's true or not, but I do know that that's how I felt. I, it was kind of a combination of all of it, but there was a lot of peace. I felt so comfortable being me when I met my husband. And so we both went from like never thinking either of us were getting married to like getting married very quickly because everything was different in this one, in this one relationship. 
but I remember when I got out of that really bad relationship I told you about. And like you said, that it was the highs and the lows that made me feel alive in that. And so I got into a relationship afterwards and it was probably my healthiest relationship at the time. We weren't really compatible overall, but he was a good person. And I would pick these little fights because if I wasn't feeling something really strong, it felt wrong. Like I didn't want it to fizzle out. I needed either my thoughts to be consumed by him or his thoughts to be consumed by me. And if it wasn't, I was worried I was going to lose it. (laughs) Have you experienced Mm -hmm. that? Yes. Well, and I'm I'm definitely not saying by any means I've arrived anywhere. I'm still a work in progress. And I was just recently with my current partner, we I was noticing something similar. It wasn't like the the really dramatic, but it was like it was kind of creating this like stress about something. But like you said, it was just like the, like suddenly I was like, "Wow, I'm just I'm just trying to create stress because it's like there's it's too comfortable. <laughs> There's too much ease here. And that's, and that's not normal. That's not, and it's almost like we try, we, we create these little things in our lives. I think we all still do this in every area, not just relationships where we're trying to like fit in still to this reality in this society. And the, like, because that's what most people where they function from. So it's almost like, well, if if we want to fit in and be normal, then we have to kind of create some trauma and drama every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> so you had mentioned this idea of letting go of rightness in your relationship. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? I, being right, it's like, I think a lot of us actually try to prove that we're right so that we don't see how wrong we are because we're constantly in judgment of ourselves. Um, and then we just project. And this is, this is great for every relationship to be aware of is like, we will project what's, what's going on with ourselves out on other people. So if you're judging yourself that you're not making money let's say, we'll just use a general thing, Um, then you'll probably be judging your partner that they're not making enough money. Because you'll, you'll project that out and be like, you're not making enough money. But if you actually look at it, it's actually you that you believe isn't making enough money right now. So that we'll do that, like project out and then try to prove that we're right, just so that we don't see how wrong we think we are. Ooh, yeah, I, I have so many stories about that back when I was dealing with an eating disorder. I used to always be looking at other people's bodies. And so Mm -hmm. it was a huge turning point for me when I realized the way that I'm judging other people is actually a direct reflection of the way I'm judging myself. And it's also been helpful for when I'm feeling judged or feeling criticized instead of taking that to heart or adding any truth to it or believing what somebody else is saying about me, I just stop for a moment. I pause and I kind of think this is a reflection of their inner voice of the way they treat themselves. And it gives me more empathy for the person instead of all of a sudden spiraling because do I have to believe what this person believes about me? And it's difficult to do. It took a lot of training to start to like decipher that I was even doing that and to change my habits. And so in those moments when you 
realize that you're trying to be right because I feel like it's one of those things that's going to pop up in almost all relationships all the time and be a constant work of art. How, what, how do you work through that? Like, what do you tell yourself to, to get out of that narrative that you're telling that's perpetuating this rightness to soften it and, and adopt a different viewpoint? I actually do. I don't do it all the time. Like I said, I haven't arrived anywhere. I still have my moments where I blurred stuff out. And a lot of the time before I even say something to my partner now, I will ask myself, am I trying to prove something here? Am I trying to be right? Or will this be a contribution? And if it, if I get that I'm trying to prove something, I don't say it. So and it's like you, you kind of, you, you have to learn how to do something. You train a new muscle. It takes practice. It, I didn't wake up one day and then, you know, and like I said, I still have moments where I'm like, oops, I didn't mean to say that. I was trying to be right or prove something there. Sorry. So it's just also just owning it in the moment. If I did kind of blurt something out and I was like, and I know that that was what that energy was. Because you can, you can, you can feel it. You know, in your body, your body actually has. When you're trying to prove something and be right, I'll speak for myself, but I'm pretty sure other people out there have this too. Like you'll get this like sort of adrenaline, like your heart will will race, or you'll you'll get anxious, or there'll be this raise in temperature. I would recommend if you have any of those signs, <laughs> if your body is telling you to just pause, stop. Maybe even leave the room, go to the bathroom, take a breath, (laughs) splash some water in your face and just be like, okay, am I trying to be right here? Is there something I'm trying to prove? And then ask the question, is it relevant? Is it, do I really have to have my voice heard in this moment? Is it going to create greater or create what I think it's going to create? Because you'll find most of the time it won't. So it's just stop, take a breath and ask. I feel like we should do a mini course on that, that you have to pass in order to be allowed on social media. <laughs> you know what I mean? Be- yes, for sure. Because that's when I feel it the most. And it's funny because I, all of those things that you described, I can almost feel them coming on. I'm like, I want to be right right now. And I don't even know what I want to be right about. But like also <laughs> my my vision sort of narrows. And I learned this NLP practice a long time ago. Whenever I'm like that. So it happens, it can happen in a an argument with your partner when you're trying to prove something on social media, somehow trying to convince someone on Twitter of your point of view, which makes no sense. And, or like road rage. And you just put your arms out, like straight out to the sides and bring your fingers forward and then like wiggle them just so you can see them in your peripheral vision. And just that, because when you're in that mode, you're so targeted, you're so hyper-focused on this one thing that the moment you just expand your vision to your periphery, it relaxes your whole body. And so I still do that sometimes when I'm like, <laughs> when I'm like, okay, I'm, I've got to prove myself or I got to prove this point. I'll be in the kitchen or whatever, like arguing with my husband. And then all of a sudden I'm like, have my arms out, wiggling my fingers. He's like, what are you doing? Do you want a hug? And either way, what, what he thinks I want versus what I'm doing, it all ends up pretty good. <laughs> totally. Always, yeah, that's even better. <laughs> all of a sudden I'm in a hug. I'm not mad anymore. Right. <laughs> great therapy right there. (laughs) So when you got out of your last abusive relationship to the point that you found your next healthier relationship, 
what sort of work did you do in between that so that you can make sure that you weren't going to repeat the same cycles? So taking the five elements of intimacy, I actually practiced them for six months while I was still in the relationship and then continued long after that relationship. And I, but by the time I left the abusive relationship, I was happy with me. I was grateful to be with me. I was having fun being me. I just, everything in my world had shifted. I loved my own company and I I knew from that day forward, because there's always a point in our lives where we make a choice and we know we'll never go back. And I knew that I would never choose that again. And that if the if I had a partnership in the future, it would have to be something that would create greater, that actually enhanced my life and not by any means took me away from me or was abusive or unkind. But that's that's that self-love and that self-love and getting my own value, it shifted everything. And um, when my partner came along, we were friends first and um, and he's not anything like I had ever dated before. So but I knew after a while of just being like, wow, he actually makes me laugh. And I thought out of all the things that I would want in my life, it's, it would be more laughter. And so, yeah, it's been quite a gift. <laughs> I love that. I found that the hardest thing for me moving into my healthiest version of a relationship was untangling all of the self-beliefs that I had acquired. And again, it was like one of those things where I didn't see the self-beliefs. I had to see the actions or the results or what I was in, it's like, okay, why, why is this here? Oh, because of this. Well, why are you allowing this? Well, I don't know why I'm allowing this. What do I believe? Why do I believe I deserve this? You know, untangling those types of things. And what I had come to uncover was that I had had a series of traumas before I ended up in this relationship. And there was a part of me that was viewing myself as broken. And so a broken person deserves another broken person. And that way, at the very least, maybe we can help each other fix each other or he won't be so upset with me for being broken. And it was just interesting because I didn't see that until I really started to do the work to peel away the layers. And there's even things that come up now where uh, I just had a talk with one of my best friends and she's an awesome person. Uh, as well. And she just got pregnant and she was sharing on Joe Rogan a couple weeks ago that there's like a part of her that is waiting for the other shoe to drop because she doesn't feel like she deserves this. And in that moment, I realized that I, I am that same way, even with a nine month old, it's, it was actually only like two months ago that I started to really believe that this was my life. Whereas before I'm like, there's no way I, I deserve a baby this cute. And I didn't even see that I saw that. So how do you start to face some of those self-beliefs that you uncovered that maybe a relationship like that created? And what was your process for rewriting that story? Well, you know, I think with, we always will attract what we need to learn. So like I said, I'm I'm all I'm like you. We're still a work in progress. <laughs> but my the lessons or the things that I'm learning have changed because I've I'm not I'm no longer in the like I need 
somebody to validate me or to know that I'm, that I'm a good person. <laughs> However, there's still things that come up. And I think that we put ourselves in situations so that we have this opportunity to learn. And so it, that can be relationships, that can be jobs, that can be places that you live. Like they're all invitations to uncovering those hidden spots that we can't see. Um, I'll even ask my question. Uh, I ask this often is um, universe show me what I'm hiding from myself because I really choose to growth and I really choose to change more than stay the same. I'm more interested in changing my life for the better than I am in the status quo. And that's not for everybody. That's and that does my path is not right and somebody else's isn't wrong. But that's just the way that I've chosen to look at things. And I want to continually grow. So I'm constantly asking for those things to show themselves. I love that. And that willingness to self-reflect can be terrifying sometimes, but once it becomes a habit, it's one of my biggest ways of just being guided. That inner voice is what I shut off for so many years in my bad relationships. It's like I knew, I knew way earlier than when I left, but I didn't, I didn't allow that voice to have meaning for me. I didn't see it as guidance. I just thought of it as like another fleeting thought or to be turned down so I could be happy in this moment, which I wasn't anyways. <laughs> so <laughs> the, I found that the more I follow that guidance, just like little pieces of guidance, the more I actually feel guided. And I develop this relationship with myself where I'm the one I turn to. And so one of my biggest tips is always like when I find myself needing something from somebody, whether it's my partner or my mom or a boss, I'll stop and I'll be like, why do, why do I feel unfulfilled? Why do I feel like I need this from them? What am I actually needing? Is it validation? Is it love? Is it somebody just to tell me I'm awesome today? And can I give that to myself first so I stop mm -hmm. relying on other people? Yes, I want to find a partner that also gives that to me. But, I, but if I'm giving that to myself, as you said, I'm going to attract the type of person that gives that to myself at all. The way I treat myself sets the standard for the way I allow myself to be treated. And then when I'm not coming from such a place of need, it's like everything that my partner gives me feels like I'm overflowing rather than just slowly filling up my empty cup. <laughs> if right. that makes sense. Yeah. Well, it, it becomes every, it becomes an enhancement. Like it's like the icing on the cake instead of looking to somebody else to be the cake. <laughs> like We are our own cake and our candles. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you can get a cherry on top. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you so much for all of the wisdom that you brought to this conversation. And for listeners that are interested in learning more about you and your book, where's the best place that they can connect with you online? Oh, well, thank you, Melissa. It's been my pleasure. Um, yeah, my book is called Here to Forever, Finally Free to Be Me. And it is on Amazon and paperback and Kindle. And um, I have a website, Venus Castleberg. Um, that's what's B-E-R-G at the end.com. All the links for this episode will be at mindlove.com slash X68. So your challenge for this week is to find some clarity in what you really want. 
This is always the first step because often when we start to be clear on what we want, how we want to feel, what makes us feel that way, we start to see the error of our ways. We are emotionally driven people. So before that clarity, we just follow the emotions and we're like, oh my gosh, validation, that feels like love. Oh my gosh, gifts, that feels like love. Oh my gosh, this great big lie he's telling me feels like love. You'll fall for anything if you don't stand for something. And that standing for something is the clarity that you need. So have some fun with it. Make yourself some tea or hot cocoa or wine or whatever your thing is and get a journal and just start writing. Write until you can feel the love blossoming in your heart, as cheesy as that sounds. Let me know how it goes. Reach out to me on Instagram at mindlovemelissa. If you're listening to this on the day it's released, tomorrow is Christmas. So I want to wish you all a merry, merry Christmas. I love this season, mostly for the cheesy rom-com movies. I would also really appreciate it if you reach out to me with your favorite Christmas movies. I really, really like bad acting, like really cheesy Lifetime movies, but I also like good acting, like The Holiday. That's a great one. I want to know your favorite Christmas movies because I want to see them all. And finally, if you feel like giving back to your favorite podcast, Mind Love, the best way to do that is by joining Mind Love Premium at mindlove.com slash premium. You get a whole backlog of premium episodes as well as meditations and other bonuses. So find me there. And that's all for today. Thanks for giving your mind a little love today and I'll see you next time.